This is the Ninja of the Color Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. It is Sunday, April 23rd. It is 3 minutes till 10. First off, I'd like to thank our loyal listeners who download the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. So spread the message. Uh, thank you, Ashburn, Virginia, San Jose, California, Boardman, Washington, uh, Frankfurt, Germany, Dallas, Texas, or Dallas, Georgia, Snellville, Georgia, West Palm Beach, Charlotte, North Carolina, Ghana, Mexico, San Francisco, San Antonio, Norcross, Mount City, Wichita, Miami, and Phoenix. I really appreciate you downloading and listening so please again tell a friend to tell a friend that we are the ninjas of another color podcast rate review subscribe all for free wherever you get your podcast uh we are available on spotify amazon music samsung podcast pandora google podcast tune in and yes we're still working on apple give us five stars give us four stars give us three stars give us two stars give us any stars because we don't give us any stars we assume that we're doing it perfectly today is NFL draft week Uh, did you know the the NFL Sunday tickets on YouTube are you going to get it and also is the Braves the best team in baseball as of now the Braves were swept by Houston but we didn't have a full team but we will meet again in the playoffs. Uh, today is what the first weekend of um, uh, twenty games, and I think. But the Braves are. St- I think the Braves are still the best team in baseball. So let's check this out. Results in spring training. This one hits solidly to left. That ball is gone. Ronald Acuna. Leading off game two of the season with a solo jack to left. It's the first homer of the year for the Atlanta Braves. And on an 0-2 pitch, he deposited it out of the park. It didn't take long, huh? You're going to have 38 home runs last year. You think, okay, 0-2. is hit well to right center. That ball is gone back to back. Acuna first, Maddelson next. Two batters in, two nothing Braves. How about that start? They listen to the four keys. <laughs> I mean, zero home runs open today. Look at that center cut four seamer. Yep, the Braves are fourteen and eight currently right now. Sunday night baseball is San Francisco against um, the Mets, and we play the Mets at the end of the week. We play. We play uh, the Marlins. We play the Marlins. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yep. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yep. But besides losing, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is on pace to steal 80 bases. I don't think he'll steal 80. He'll probably do 60, maybe, maybe 50 with the new rules. But here's an example of what you're going to hear this year. And I think he's going to run away with the NFL, NL, NL MVP. Donald's running. Pitch is a strike. The throw to second is a strike, too, but it's late. They look right at the would-be base dealer, Acuna. He's taking off. Good jump. Pitch is inside. Avila's throw is dropped at second. Mercer had to reach, couldn't handle it, and Acuna swipes his ninth base. Acuna got a pretty good jump. And he's in. The throw gets into center. And he races to third. Acuna's going again. Nunez will stop it and, and stolen base number. Good recognition by Ronald because, like you said, he would have been dead. He's going now. Great jump. Suzuki's throw is way off target. And Acuna steals his 34th base. Shorter lead at first for Ronald. Now another step. He's going. Good jump. Freeman takes high. Suzuki's throw. Short hops and he's in safely. Acuna has his 18th. Runner on the move. Turner waiting for the throw. Short. And Trey has to come forward to get it and keep. And the runner goes. Pitch is low. Griner's throw. Two second is in the center field. Acuna steals second. Hilton. There goes Acuna. The throw by Ramos is high. Acuna has a stolen base, and he is a member of mission and have left seven on base. One-two pitch. Runners going now. Pitch low. The throw to second is going to be late. Low. Acuna's running. And Dansby takes a strike. Acuna gets the base. He's nine for nine. Get it in there, because if you don't, he's going to make you pay. Acuna's running on the first pitch. Ball gets away from Wallach. Acuna with a head first slide into second. We'll stop there. He's his hit streak and RBI double in the eighth. Runner goes. Holiday's throw. It's away from Birdie. And enough because he's hit the ball. He's concentrating more on right center. Acuna's running this time. The pitcher ball, the throw to second is a strike, and he got it safely. They'll talk with Sean about what he saw. Acuna takes off, throw down by Ruiz, not in time. And Ronald Acuna Jr. has his toe, and they love to run once in a while. So we'll see. Acuna Jr. is not waiting around. Tomas Guido's throw is late, and add a number to that total. Ronald scored from first. On a bloop single, he runs. Oh, pitch is low. Throw from Barnes, not close. Stolen base, Ronald Acuna. Well, it's a man. Runner goes, great jump, swing and a miss. Papierski's going to throw down, and it tails for a third. And Acuna slides in safely. His 14th steal. Going off the pitcher, Bradbury. Yes. Here he goes. Pitch called a strike. Throw down. No chance. Another steal for Acuna. And while Michael Papierski may have the ability. 
One out, one on to start the last of the first. Acuna's running. Barnhart anticipating it. Still not in time to get Acuna at the bag. I love this. Castillo very slow to the plate. One five, one six. Real high over the top, and it does. It looks the same. It's deceiving. Runner goes. Good jump. McCann's throw. He's got a short on the bag and on in time. 32 steals for Acuna. They've cashed in two walks. Now Acuna's running again. Pitch outside. Fake throw to second. And Acuna helmet flying. Steals number 29. Pull right side for Dansby. And Ronald's running. Great job. Pitch is high. The throw to second on the wrong side of the base. And Acuna. About a month later in June of last season. And there he goes. Acuna without a throw. Has his fourth stolen base of the season. And just that. Having really long fingers, one of the reasons he was so successful. There goes the runner, and Garber's throw is not in time. There he goes. There he goes. It's wide to Albies. The throw skips away into center, and Acuna's off to third. And leadoff spot. Acuna takes off. Servant's throw. goes. Pitch outside. Throw to second base on one hop. He is out at second base. He's going. Pitch a ball. The throw is terrible into center field. Acuna couldn't pick it up as he tumbled into second base. There he goes. Pitch is a ball. Throw a little bit high and Acuna Jr. getting in under it. So Freddie Freeman and Acuna have stolen superstitious Santangelo. Uh-oh. Acuna takes off Gomes, does not throw through. Well, now you got an option of first inning. As Freeman stands in, May comes on, there goes Acuna on the first pitch, and just like that, he's in scoring position. Well, there you go, just a matter of getting on base for the 22-year-old. Well, and that's what he can do, and that's what the Braves did all year when they're important to the Braves lineup so far, and so consistent. There goes Acuna, Riamuto's throw not in time, and Ronald Acuna Jr. goes one step close. Short lead, though. He is going, and that's in the dirt. Ball gets away from Casale, and Ronald will stop at second. So that change it. Lightning flashed overhead. Acuna takes off again. The pitch is a strike and dropped. And Ronald's thinking about third. He's taking off the third. And he's going six mile an hour. Weather's sinking. It's moving. Runner goes. Nito again from his knees. This time the throw's going to be late. Runner goes. Pitch low. Throw to second. He's going to skip into center field. Acuna picks it up late. But he'll scamper on the third. No problem. Stolen base. Number nine for Acuna, and he's 90 feet away. It's top five in the league in stolen bases. And there he goes. And Pena is throwing a second base on the back of the The Braves' top RBI man. Runner goes. And the pitch is a strike thrown out to second. He is late. Short hops here. And Albies. So far, really haven't seen that from Woodruff. Runner goes. Pitch is outside, and Grandall can't get the handle. And a stolen base for Acuna. I think it would have mattered. Acuna goes. Pitches outside. Acuna safe. Runner goes. And that was an up and away pitch that Neon Gomes 
tried to glove cleanly and the nature of that pitch as we can do runner at first nobody out in the first Ronald's running first pitch Suzuki's throw no chance welcome to the 2020 club Ronald Acuna one of the HF 24 Christian Yelich 23 my my what a jump now he's the league leader with 20 Acuna takes off throw down by Kbert goes into center field and that'll mean an extra 90 feet for Ronald Acuna like Thomas Acuna first move is running, the pitch is strike, the throw to second, also a strike, but it's late. 17 steals for his head. Acuna's running, great job, Real Muto's throw is dropped. Stolen base for Acuna. Tying run in scoring position, his 37th steal of the year. Pitcher, catcher, and Acuna at first. Yeah, I got a really good job, Real. Runner goes, pitches a breaking ball, throw to second from the knee, is off the glove of Segura, and Segura may have gotten hurt. Batting a league low 140 against the Phil Zips. There goes Acuna, huge jump, he's got it stolen easily. Wow. Yes, that's going to be the way he wins the NL MVP. He's going to run his way into it. All right. Today was Basketball Sunday, playoffs. We had the Knicks versus the Cavs. We also had the Dubs versus the Kings. So, I picked, <clears throat> that's a fine, I picked the Knicks to win in six, but they might win in five, but I hope they win. They're up 3-1, but let's hear the highlights. Poor timing on their worst performance of the season, but this Cavs team so talented and so resilient they bounce back in a good way in game two. Can they do it again here in game four to even things up before the series heads back to Cleveland? RJ Barrett had an excellent game the other night. The mouse is good. Barrett attacks the glass on the first Well, the Cavs all talked about the atmosphere in this building. As Jared Allen with a left hand, a soft floater, where he said, it's a different environment than Madison Square Garden. Brunson pulls up, Jared's good. Shot clock, winding down, Brunson points it up, puts up short, Robinson offensive rebound, back up and in. Garland to Mitchell, little hero step, beautiful pass, Mitchell to Mobley. And Mitchell getting Mobley an easy one. Randall lost the dribble, and the Knicks turn it over for the first time. Mitchell, oh, beautiful sidestep as Brunson took a fall, and Mitchell had a layup. Won it so badly that it took them out of their game. He said it was more on us, but I, not the moment. Off the turnover, Brunson, I, I think it's like, do you have a game that travels? Do you have an intensity level that travels? Do you have a habit that Mobley throws it down, an aggressive Mobley. He 
was capable of having big offensive games. Hartz will give a go. Wayne was good. Isaiah Hartstein with a perfect give and go pass. They've missed three free throws already here in the first. Reverse. Changes direction. Slips and falls and the ball goes to Mobley. We're in a broken play and Mobley with a good first quarter. And double team. There's another double team to get it out of Pitcher's hands. Back to Rubio. Over to Okoro. Crossover move goes to Obi Toppin. Off the glass is good. Nice move from Okoro. Moves dangerous pass there. Barrett a three. Hartstein tracking it down. Kicks it alive. They get a new 14. Obi Toppin for three. Runs it again, drives, throws it up. Oh, got it out of foul! A one-handed tip from Mitchell Robinson and a chance for a three-point play. Brunson gets in the paint, wins the pass, quickly, three-pointer, roll off. Toppin trying to track it down, and he does. Brunson fake, Brunson fires, three-pointer is good! Hart is starting in place of quick drives, and he's added some scores. Shot clock at five. Mitchell drives, pulls back, fires the jumper. It's good. Mitchell kicks it out the corner. A coral lines out up. That's good. A coral, big minutes off the bench, seven points, and it's a nine-point game. Runs a little shake and bake. Splits it up off the glass. Robinson on the follow. A huge first half for Mitchell Robinson. And overall, plus nine on the board. Mitchell, falling away, jump shot, it's good. Knicks have done everything they can to try and take the ball out of his hands. And Garland, Kathleen Garland get going, just one for five. Finds a move there, quickly knocks that one down. Four in the third, I'm not sure it's that simple. Well, both of you will always talk about it, depends on the player. Garland, back door, and a gorgeous beat from Mobley. And just like that, it's a six-point game. Randall just one of seven from the field. He has just two points. Well, some key players have been quiet. Garland and Mobley connect this time. Mobley finishes. And Tom Bibbino needs a timeout. Brunson finds Randall. Mobley's the initial pass. Now backing in. Four and away shot is up. That's good. Just a second field goal for Randall. Nick's black. They don't have real good three-point shooting. Again, another feed, and Allen throws it down. It's a two-point game. Garland, the aggressor, gets in the paint, puts it up, puts it in. Some Garland gusto here to start the third quarter. Individual and team defense. Well, he's just, he's just too talented to be this quiet the last game and a half. Garland again! Already with eight points. It was an uncertain look in game three. Not here. This is Robinson right there again. Mitchell Robinson, 12 points and 10 rebounds. Nick's really aggressive to start the first half. It's all Cavs here to start the second. Alley up to Allen. And we're tied again. Hands off Mitchell. Mitchell, the three-pointer. And Mobley beats the Knicks to the board. Garland drives, throws it up, Allen throws it down, and the Cavs have their first lead of the game. I do not like the body language or the defense of my first two, my best two players as Randall scores on a right-hand finish. Six on the shot clock. Garland gets to the paint again, Lamb is good, Darius Garland, and a foul. 
What a start to the third quarter for Gall, and he has erupted. I love their team aggression right now. Even that travel. Mobley had his head down, going right at the basket. Brunson trying to go right back to Garland. Step back, jump shot, it's good. It's been hard to quiet the crowd. They've been so loud these two games. Cavs doing their best. Levert wide open, gets the three. Harris Levert. There's a curl inside, blocked by Hartenstein. Picked up by Hartenstein and hit the Barrett. Barrett goes to Garland. Inside, layup is good. Isaiah Hartenstein gets the crowd fired up. A curl drives on Randall inside. Shot is good. Oh, terrific drive from a curl. Brunson, three-pointer, puts it in. Knicks had that 15-point first half lead. Cavs came back, took the lead. Brunson, elbow jumper, good. But again, quickly sprints up the screen. Quickly trying to fight over the screen. Garland finds some room, jump shot. Too strong, Karras Levert. Comes flying in, great hustle for Levert. His layup is good, and the foul. Mitchell's still on the bench. Barrett inside. Oh, a sneaky move and a foul. RJ Barrett with a chance for a three-point play. Barrett goes at Osman again, falling away. Shot it good. RJ Barrett back-to-back -back buckets. Timeout Cavs at the next row back-to-back five. Charles Middle saying flat. Let him play one-on-one -on -one with Brunson against Garland. Brunson a three-pointer. It's good. Gets in the paint, falling away, banks it home. Boy, Garland has been magnificent here in the second half. Just past the midway point here in the fourth quarter. Barrett on the drive, on the left, banks it home. R.J. Barrett with 23. Hart the rebound. Mitchell's missed his last eight shots. Hart goes right at Allen, layup, it's good! Not only that score, this is last eight baskets, but it's the Knicks defense, but also he's cooperating. He's first team all NBA. Hart inside, throws it down. What a find from Jalen Brunson, trapped up by half court. Most of the lower ball on its feet as we approach four minutes remaining. Darren Allen against Hartenstein, gets inside and banks it home. Big pockets from Allen. R.J. Barrett, tied up, shot clock winding down. Hart just gets it off the top. his first points of the second half. Hart to Barrett, three-pointer. In and out, Hart, the offensive rebound. Back out to Brunson, history. Bang! Jalen Brunson from downtown. A ten-point Nick lead. Garland, three-pointer. Got it. There he is, Garland drills it. And it's back to eight with one ten remaining. Brunson to Barrett. Shot clock at five. Barrett now on the drive. The floater's up. It's good. Josh Hart gives the Knicks another possession. And his turnaround season for the Knicks continues. Knicks now one win away from advancing to the second round. All right. Uh, that was...
that was game four between the Knicks and the Cavs. From from what I can surmise watching this series, two things. The Cavs are inexperienced and not deep. The Knicks are deep and a little more experienced because fine. Um, the Cavs have they start two guys who are over 6'11 and they are getting out rebounded by one guy. Technically yeah one guy because Mr. Robinson had 11 no 11 rebounds seven of them offensive and they out rebound them in the series that's why they're winning so uh let's hear what steven they got to say the new york knicks led most of the way through the first half and cleveland storming back in the third quarter but a lot of knicks in that fourth quarter particularly rj barrett and jalen brunson getting it done and stephen a smith the new york knicks advanced to a 3-1 series lead against these Cavaliers. They're one win away from moving on to the second round. I'm good with it. I love what I saw New York stand up. It's all it's about orange and blue skies. Jalen Brunson shows up, drops 29, 6-6, six six, on 50% shooting, 11-22 from the field. You've got R.J. Barrett, second game in a row. He shows up, he shoots 60-50% from the field. He drops 26 points. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson was formidable in the post in terms of blocking shots and making his presence felt. We know that, but big thing collectively defensively one game after holding the Cleveland Cavaliers to the lowest point total of any team this NBA season what do the New York Knicks come back and do second half take the great Donovan Mitchell holds him to one for nine shooting just two points in the entire second half that's what wins you playoff games that's where I was going in this game there were two all-stars this year one was Donovan Mitchell who struggled mightily in the second half as you mentioned only had two points even though Darius Garland had um, played terrific in the second half. But the other chess move was benching Julius Randle. Yep. A lot of times when you're a head coach, you want to go back to the guy to help get you right. there. But the bigs for the New York Knicks were doing so well and playing with so much effort, setting screens, getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds. That was a courageous call by Tibbs. Because had they lost that game, People would have second-guessed that. My gratitude to Tom Thibodeau knows no limits. I got sick and tired of Julius Randle missing damn three-pointers. And on top of it all, looking despondent because he was missing and it was affecting his defense. We love Julius Randle and the contribution that he's made, but he deserved to be benched in that fourth quarter. Hopefully, he'll get his game together for game five. We had the statistic in our pregame show. Teams that are up 3-1 in a best of seven go on to win 95% of the time. Is this series over? This series is over. And the Cleveland Cavaliers had a terrific regular season, but their roster is top heavy. It's Donovan Mitchell, it's Darius Garland. You hope to get some from Allen and Mobley, but pretty much you're kind of reaching and hope Karis LeVert can have a big game, Okoro can have a big game. The Knicks have the strength, the depth, and Jalen Brunson has actually been the best player in the series. I love me some Donovan Mitchell. Wish he was a New York Dick. But he is not, so it is time to send him home. This series, I believe, will be over in six. It had better be. So game five of that series will be Wednesday night in Cleveland. Game six back here in New York if there is a need for one. As the Knicks would then be trying to close it out on their home floor. That game would be on Friday night. So a wonderful afternoon of basketball here on ABC. Yep. Um, yeah, 
Julius Randle looked like he didn't want to play. And when you don't want to play, guess what happens? Sit on the bench. That was kind of surprising that Thibodeau didn't ride with his boy. But he didn't. And now the Knicks are up 3-1. Hopefully they can close it out in Cleveland so they can get some rest. Get back um, Grimes. And kill up the, not kill, but rest the injuries. And wait for the winner of the Bucks and the Heat. Hopefully it'll be the Bucks or the Heat because the Heat are up 2-1. Uh, that's a fine for me. Uh, there. All right. The next game four was the Dubs versus the Warriors. I mean, the Dubs versus the Kings. Fine. Uh, I picked the... Dubs in six. I might be seven, but I think the dubs are gonna win because of the King's inexperience. Check it out. At the circle for the tip. And Fox will bring it into the front court for Sacramento. Sabonis at the elbow. Got a screen from Herder. Got free for the bucket. And I know he wants to facilitate. Fox inside, smoked the layup after a great move. Sabonis goes down hard, pull with the crossover, and he gets it to go. Four points for Sabonis. Sacramento up by three. Looney on the roll. Nice pass by Wiggins. I'm just going to show that, Mark. And Looney obviously much improved as a finisher over the course of time. And Fox had it. Knocked out of his hands, he turns it over. Curry relocates for three. And there it is. Thompson guarded by Harrison Barnes. And Sabonis with the steal. They got a three-on-one with Murray. And Murray with a little room service. Looks like a different team. The turnover. Interesting that Fox makes the steal. They got a two-on-one with Murray. Fox raising out. Oh, he's flying charter. Pierre Fox with the punch and a timeout. Golden State. Mitchell all over Steph. Got it back from Green. Mitchell on Curry, slammed on the brakes. Oh my goodness! Curry! Glenn beats him at the level. Man, they tried to next it. And Curry just missed the left. Here's Monk in a rush. Warriors back in transition defensively. Land slams it home. Love that play. Not letting the building take over this game. Two-point deficit, seven on the clock. Monk. Cross court, wide open, Fox for three, laces it home, and Sacramento with a one-point lead. He just stating the course, what more do you need from them as you continue this game? Right, they both just got to keep being aggressive. They're getting open looks. They got open looks all series. Back out top, here's Lynn with a step-up screen. Fox, he's made a couple already. There's the third. Deeran firing with confidence. Poole almost doing a little too much. Scored the last bucket playing in the crowd here. They double team him. Sabonis sprays it out. Barnes drives it. Little jelly underneath by Harrison Barnes. He got Sabonis out of there. Now, did it work? No, but that's command of your offense. Sacramento on a 7 nothing run. They're broken by Jordan Poole. Wow, tough move. 
Clay Thompson individually creating a mini run here for Golden State. There's a 15-foot elbow jumper by Fox. That is his office. And it comes to Steph Curry. They can make it a two-point game. Curry against Barnes. Steph pulls. Got it!
to the three-point line. Curry for three. Fox pushes Mitchell through. A little empty corner, one five with Sabonis. Spins, raises up. And maybe that'll activate fourth quarter five. Two-point game. Green back to Curry. Got his feet set. Mitchell throws left. That's just pressing a little bit. Poole's open to the rim and scores the bucket. That could have been an end ball. Fox with the midi, got it. He has made about 47% of his mid-range shots. Fox off the zoom action. Got three. Fourth quarter, Fox is a real thing, folks. Beautiful hesitation by Fox. Fox with token pressure in the backboard on Curry. Got it back. And knocks down the three. Wow. He's done it a lot this season. It's worked. Pull out front. Play off the pin down. Got it. Warriors by five. Oh, and Monk with an acrobatic steal. Mitchell with room service at the other end. What a sequence. Over Green, missed it. Sabonis blocked on the putback. And Green lets him hear about it. What plays defensively to negate that? Another missed chance. Green inside. Wiggins raises up. Big time bucket. Monk quickly up court. Yeah, you didn't need that. I, I, again, another play where your youth is, is getting exposed. You had so much time, Malik. You did not have to take on two defenders. The Warriors call the timeout without having any remaining, so they'll be assessed a technical foul, which, if made, will narrow the margin to four. So it's about execution. I mean, I get it if you're Harrison, but you can get better. There's De'Aaron from deep. Got it! Bang! De'Aaron! With 38! Curry with the ball, working on Fox. Curry got by him. Floater, short, loose. Loose, Murray, and a timeout called by Sacramento. And we'll see if they get the advance or not. Hunting Curry. He's got Curry on the switch. Fox over to Barnes for the lead. And that's it. The Warriors survive. All right. This, uh, if you're not old enough, if you're not old enough, um, 1991. Yeah, 1991. Michigan versus Carolina. Chris Webber called the famous timeout that seals the the victory for North Carolina because they did not have a timeout. Steph Curry called a timeout and they didn't have a timeout. And that's Steve Scrow's fault because he challenged a play and it's unsuccessful. So came down to the final play this series reminds me of the young team that plays the old guys in the neighborhood the old guys less athletic but they're smart as hell so 
series is tied 2-2. I think the Dubs are going to win it in 7 in Sacramento. Because the inexperience goes a long way. This is the Ninja of Another Color podcast. I am your host, T-O-T-T-L-E-Y. It is Sunday, April 23rd. Uh, We are discussing Major League Baseball, Sunday Playoff Basketball, and we're going to go into the draft, which is this week. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, follow. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Yes, we're still working on Apple. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Give us three stars. Give us two stars. Give us any stars. If you don't give us any stars, I would believe that I am doing this perfectly. Our next subject is the NFL Draft. Who will the Falcons pick at number eight. Who will be the number? Who will be the first pick in the draft? Where was B. John Robinson go? Spoiler alert: I would like the Falcons to pick, if available, Carter from Georgia. If he's not there, the next pick should be B. John Robinson out of Texas, because we are going to have a beast of an offensive line, and they want to run the ball, but. Let's check out the mock draft. And the official digital collectible of the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm Colleen Wolf, collecting my draft analysts here. We got Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, fresh off Coachella, I assume. Yeah, yeah, busy weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, listen, I uh, I know that you guys are huge Bad Bunny fans. We were just talking about it, but I want to get our guest in here right now because mm-hmm. he was not wearing a flower crown or a crop top this weekend, but he does have a new mock draft out. Peter Schrager, live from New York. Officially, the mock is out right now. You can check it out at NFL.com. And Peter, we've been looking forward to this more than the next episode of Succession. I am honored to have you on the show. Yes, uh, I feel like I'm one of the many Roy family members here talking with you. It's an annual tradition. We do this every year on Mock Draft Live. We go through my first Mock Draft. It gets torn apart by you guys, and I'm a glutton for punishment. Let's get to it. I love it. (laughs) All right, perfect. That's great. This is the perfect spot for you to be right now because, Shregs, I want to get it going right off the top, and it's Bryce Young going to the Panthers. Yeah, Bryce Young goes first overall. I've been hearing this for weeks now. Whether or not it is the actual case, we'll see, but... You hear so much talk about the Panthers loving the leadership, the intangibles, and the room that they're going to surround him with. Yes, Andy Dalton is there as a veteran quarterback, but how about Jim Caldwell and Josh McCown and Thomas Davis and, of course, Frank Reich? This is a guy, and Scott Fitterer, the GM, said it today. Bucky, you know him well. said, we charted all of Russell Wilson's college throws. He had three passes batted down. Bryce Young, despite his height. Only two. I think he's the first overall pick. All right, all signs pointing to Bryce Young going number one overall, but now you mix it up. C.J. Stroud goes second overall, but it's to the Colts, not the Texans. Unheard of. What? Intra-division trade. Rivals do not trade in the division. I am hearing so much about the Texans just not falling in love with C.J. Stroud, and I don't think they're going to just take a quarterback for the sake of it. I also think that there is something real to the fact that C.J. Stroud is represented by the same agent who represented Deshaun Watson. I don't think that helps the case in any way. And I think that the Colts are desperate for a quarterback, and I think C.J. Stroud's the second one. I think they would pull off this trade. The compensation piece would either be a future pick or DeForest Buckner, who actually played for D'Amico Ryan's 
back in the day in San Francisco, and he just restructured his contract. I'm putting that out there, not the Colts, not the Texans. But gosh, that would be a nice one. Move up from four to two, and then you get to Miko Ryan's, and move, and you get to Forrest Buckner, and move back. I don't know. Just put it out there, guys. Wow, Defoe in Houston. The Colts are going to trade like one of their best defenders to a division rival. This this trade is so interesting because it makes me think. Well, in this case. The Texans really don't like C.J. Stroud at all to the point where they're like, sure, come on in, division rival, and have this quarterback that will sink your team. <laughs> um, all right, I want to talk about this a little bit because what makes Stroud, though, such a special player? Because you know the teams are probably going to end up trying to trade up for him if Houston does not take him at two. Well, it's fascinating what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Buck and I have always felt that the top two quarterbacks were Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, whatever war you have those guys in. So to me, to not only not take him, and you can say there's risk with taking C.J. Stroud, yeah, there's risk of passing on him as well, and now you're gift-wrapping him and via trade to a divisional opponent. And, Buck, from the latest I've heard, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if even if the, you look at the second quarterback, if it isn't C.J. Stroud, if Will Levis ends up being the second quarterback off the board and Stroud's still available. So it is. It, Peter's on it. I mean, he's definitely on it with this, and I think there's a lot of smoke where there's a, a little bit of fire as well. well absolutely. And, and so the conversation, when you talk about Will Levis over C.J. Stroud, to me is mind-boggling based on how those guys played. But there is some of that. And here's what happens when you get to the draft. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And because we analyze these prospects and we spend so much time trying to figure out how they match up, which coaches like what, and how they can envision those guys playing, you just never know. And so because we have said that this draft is absolutely bananas, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster based on the lack of blue chip players there. Who knows what it looks like, but in Peter's mock draft where you talk about trading and allowing your division rival to have a QB1, <laughs> man, you must feel very confident that he is not going to be extraordinary for you to gift wrap him to a division rival. That part. Nice because you. you remember, you used to have the Lake Show, right? Uh-huh. You're going to have the Freak Show. When you have DK Metcalf and Anthony Richardson on the field <laughs> at the same time, you will not find two bigger freaks in the NFL. I love that. All right, let's go to eight because I like this move too, Peter. The Falcons, they add speed to their defense with Nolan Smith on the edge. Yeah, local product. They know what they're getting. This is a former number one high school recruit in the country. Went to Georgia. Kind of got buried with all the other stars they had there. And then the combine, I think he ran that 43940. And I was like, wait, wait a second. I feel like he's interviewing as well as anybody in this process. One of those dudes where it's, was it the system at Georgia? And, and it's just, we didn't get a chance to see him because there's so much other talent. And they're up by 40 in all these games. Or is it, hey, this guy is legit and this guy can't that dude i'm fascinated to see where he ends up going i know the nfl scout community loves him didn't quite have the production that some of those georgia teammates did yeah i wonder if he was overshadowed because of the talent there because of his injuries but this is the highest that we've seen nolan smith go in any of our past mocks so uh, dj can you show us why he might go this high should he go this high yeah i can jump and jump and show you the tape here because to me i think he's got a real chance of being a top 10 pick i think if he doesn't get hurt he is a top 10 pick he's got a very unique skill set he's only 230 plus pounds but he plays strong he can really go off the edge that speed is not just an indie fabricated 40 time it is real it shows up on tape he's got a feel as a rusher you see right here Evan Neal oversets he feels that he gets underneath him and collects the sack again here working against Clemson shows you some bull for a guy who's sub 240 pounds he's able to really generate some power and this is the most impressive thing that he does just get out and run and chase and make plays I've used the comparison of Hassan Reddick with him as guys that are undersized that can really rush the quarterback. I was talking to a general manager the other day and brought up a, a, a usage plan for him 
which was look at Micah Parsons. Look at how the Cowboys use Micah Parsons. We call it use him as a spinner, kind of a walk-around rusher, let him get on guards and, and really dominate. I think you could deploy that exact same game plan with Nolan Smith. And um, what GM was this that you were talking to? Uh, well, no, I, I mean, <laughs> Schrager, Schrager talked to him as well because every time I talk to a GM, he's just got off the phone with Schrager. So you know, Stop. I'm talking to the same people. <laughs> yeah, giving me, giving me false information to run with and ruin my good name. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Okay, so Bucky, I did mention the possibility of him being overlooked because of his injury history, but how would this defense change with Smith in it? Well, I mean, we give them a dominant playmaker to build around. Defensively, DJ talked about the Michael Parsons plan, being able to move him around. Here's the thing about the Atlanta Falcons. When you are a team that hasn't had a dominant pass rusher in a long time, you had Vic Beasley for a little while. He had that one year where he had 15 and a half sacks and a ton of forced fumbles. You're still looking for someone that can impact the game off the edge. Well, maybe Nolan Smith can be that guy. You have to do it in a different way, but his athleticism, his explosiveness, certainly can get the creative juices flowing for uh, a very dynamic defensive coordinator. And he definitely looked great at the combine, so any concerns about his injury history should be put to rest after that performance. But let's just zoom out here for a second on the first nine picks. Peter has three quarterbacks going here in the top five. Um, of course, Indy trading up to snag C.J. Stroud um, with the Texans. Three edge rushers going early in the speedy Oregon corner. Christian Gonzalez they're rounding out the top nine. Now, the Eagles uh, well, I don't agree with that, but like I said, if they take him, they take him. The pick will be either a corner, edge rusher, or offensive lineman, I think. But, fingers crossed, we've been having a debate on Twitter about who should go, and like I said, it should be if Carter's not available, uh, Robinson should be the pick because, yes, you have a diamond in the rough in Algier, but that don't work out all the time. You don't get first-round talent in the third round, and you have a bona fide first-round talent in the eighth pick. He's not going to go past probably 11 or 8. He's not going to go past the first round, so I know that much. Unless you want to trade back into the first round and get him, he should be the pick. All right. All right. Our next topic is the Mandalorian. The season finale was this week, or last week. That's a fine. It was last week, and it was so-so. The season was so-so also, but... If you haven't watched it, I think a lot of people are going to binge watch it, but hey, let's check the highlights. Sir, the bitch. No, I'll take 
They never knew the surface could still sustain plant life. All they need is room to grow. Let's take back our planet. Isolating the potential to wield the force. You smothered them before they could draw their first breath. No, no, no. Okay, episode 8, season 3. Um, first off, I think Moff Gideon in his enhanced suit was a clone. also think this season was more about the Mandalorians retaking Mandalore than 
the original first two, which is the Lone Wolf and Cub. This was not the best episode in this this season. Uh, seven or two was the best. The fight scenes were good in this one. Um, let's see. IG-11 coming back was blah. The hallway scene was reminiscent of Maul and Obi-Wan fighting. Then you have the clone scene where he kills the clones. Um, then you have uh, I think a tribute to um, Rebels where you see Grogu saving them with the fire. That's a tribute to um, Kanan when he saved them from the um, the explosion in the refinery. Then we have our epic battle between the Mandalorians and the uh, Death Troopers. Then you have Moff Gideon being a Scooby-Doo villain. Uh, shucks, I could have uh, did it without uh, these pesky kids. I would have gotten away without these pesky kids. Yeah, he told everything that told his plan and then he died at the end. Then you have not the N1 going boom boom, capital ship going major boom boom. Then it tails to where Bo saves the day, not Din saves the day. That's what this season was about. You have the dark saber, and then she he breaks the dark saber. That's just insane. He breaks the dark saber, so she is technically the new leader of Mandalore. They could have done that in in one season, but the Gorian Guard versus Din and Grogu. That was good. Then you have him using the force. Break the saber again. And then he dies when the capital ship comes down. But I think I still think he's a clone. He is a clone because he put on his helmet and he left the room and then he came back. So I think he's a clone. He'll be available in the movie. Uh, for this season, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 because it was so wonky and it was out of it went away from what it was which was a lone cub, a lone cub and wolf story to a let's retake Mandalore story but it is what it is uh, I, I think I'll still binge watch it or wait for the movie and also season 4 and also Ahsoka Ahsoka comes out in August alright our next did you see Super Mario Brothers if you like excuse me that's fine if you like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show if you like Super Smash Brothers Super Kart Super Mario Brothers 3 Mario 64 you will enjoy this movie you will definitely enjoy this movie check it out
Okay. I'm not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow, uh, yay. But there's one problem. There's a human has a mustache just like you. Do you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with the letter of his first name on it? Because I don't. Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Oh, I got this. No problem. <laughs> If you are a Nintendo fan or anything else, you will love it. It's even good for kids. And this also, this is a Comcast production as a Comcast uh, owner of stock. So go ahead and take your kids out. Go ahead and support for the, the progress. Thank you very much. All right, for our last story, what should you be spending on an engagement ring? I came across this video on YouTube. Check it out. In Rouge, Louisiana. Hi, Grant. Welcome to the Dave Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you for taking my call today. Sure. What's up? Uh, look, I'm, uh, I'm 21. I'm, I'm looking to get married. ready to be married here. But uh, my question is, financially speaking, what is the best way to know when I'm ready to buy an engagement ring and what is the best method to go about purchasing one? Cool. Well, you're ready. Um, how much do you make? About 55000 a year. Good for you. What do you do? I'm an operator in the petrochemical industry. Cool. Very cool. So, uh, how long have you been dating her? Uh, we've been dating for five years, and uh, we're high school sweethearts. Yeah, obviously. Wow, very cool. Very cool. So, when are you thinking about getting married? Um, hopefully within the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Well... Uh, do, the jewelry stores are not in the financial advice business. They're in the jewelry business. And so um, I will give you a different number than they will give you. Okay. The rule of thumb I use when you're buying an engagement ring is no more than one month's income. Which is a pretty stinking nice ring in this case. Okay. So, I mean, your take-home pay is, what, 35 30 or 3800 bucks a month? Yeah, okay. That's a nice ring. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's not a five carat, but you're 21 years old and you're getting married. Who cares, right? 
Okay, yeah. so um, I mean, thirty-eight hundred bucks, and 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 here's the thing, um, the, you know, learn a little bit about anything you're going to put money into, and as you start to shop for diamonds, you'll learn about clarity, cut, carrot, and so forth. I'm afraid I have a lot of dollars tied up in diamonds. Uh, none of which are on my person. That means they're on the other person. <laughs> so, uh, but I've learned a lot about it. And I will tell you this, don't fall for the, uh, oh, if you get this one, it'll go up in value more. It's clearer. Uh, you just don't want something that to the naked eye when waved around under somebody's nose is noticeably uh, a bad color or noticeably a bad cut or noticeably uh, has flaws in it, okay, uh, for clarity. And so, color, clarity, and cut. That's and carrot. Of course, carrot is the size, and so forth. So, it's not an investment. I own a bunch of them. We've never sold any of them, and they've never gone up in value in thirty years. So, that's a bunch of crap. Okay. Right. The only thing they're good for is it makes the girl smile. That's all they're good for. Okay. So, and they're worth it for that because my girl needs to smile and serve so often she gets one. That's how that works, okay? But they're not good as an investment. Don't. That's just a bunch of garbage, okay? So what are we going to do? We're going to get a deal. I never buy a perfect stone, but I never buy a junk one either. I try to land in the middle, and I learn about it a little bit before I get into it. A really good place, if you can land somebody in your life that knows a little bit about diamonds, that will go with you, uh, knows uh, more than just a little bit, you actually can find steals on diamonds at a pawn shop. There are high-end, high-quality pawn shops out there that you will get stuff for probably a quarter on the dollar of what it would be at the jewelry store. So in other words, $10,000 ring, if you can find it at a pawn shop, you can afford it for 3800 bucks. If you found one. Now you need to, you're brand new at this, and I wouldn't tell you just walk in off the street. You could buy a piece of glass and not know the difference right now. And I don't want you to do that. So you need somebody to help look at it with you that knows something about it, uh, that'll help you shop around. The other thing you can look for is a diamond broker, someone that actually brokers them. And uh, they'll teach you, and you can learn about buy a loose stone and have a ring made. And it's not that expensive to do that. So diamonds are uh, a little bit like furniture. They have very, very high markup. Double, triple. And so you'll find, you, you'll find twice as much stone for the money as you will just walking into the typical mall jewelry store that you hear the ad on the radio, okay? Um, or you hear a TV commercial or whatever. And all the girls are gasping and saying, oh, he bought it there. No, that's, that, that means you're paying for that ad. So, um, you know, if you can find a broker or a pawn, that's a good way to get a deal. One month's salary, I think you can save that up pretty quick, can't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I, I could save it up pretty quick. All the mortgage and then uh, yeah. all the little pawn trade I'm paying for, that's probably Very cool. Good for you. Well, just to finish the story, uh, my bride and I... Um, got married with a, uh, a .23 carat, less than one-fourth of a carat. You can't even see it. It's so small. It's tiny, and it was not a beautiful, wonderful stone or something like that. I bought it. Um, she didn't even think she was getting a ring, so it was a bonus. So that was her engagement ring, and um, 
I can promise you today that is uh, has been replaced with upgrades periodically, and now the woman wears a headlight on her hands. So, um, but the uh, uh, but she started with a .23 38 years ago, and it did the trick just fine. There is zero correlation between the size of the diamond and the success of the marriage. As a matter of fact, there might be a negative correlation at the at some point that the diamond gets too big for the engagement ring. If she requires a three carat, um, she's probably not a keeper. God damn. Alrighty then. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. What have you heard? What are the sayings? Is it two, two months salary? Three months salary? What are they saying? What are they saying about it? Alright, you can reach us at ninjas of another color at gmail.com also on instagram we also on facebook and we also at tiktok this is ninjas of another color podcast i'm your host d-o-t-t-l-e-y today we've discussed the nfl the nba mlb the mandalorian Super Mario Brothers and how much you should spend on an engagement ring it is Sunday we will be back at you next week you can rate review follow comment where you get your podcast we're available on Spotify Amazon Music Samsung Podcast, Pandora, Google Podcast, TuneIn, and yes, we're still working on Apple. If you want to help the podcast out, the support info is on the podcast. So please, tell a friend to tell a friend, spread the message, and we will see you next week. century, a time of robots and aliens, and of destruction and terror. Can the Galactic Patrol, defender of the United Planets, stop the evil computer Umbra? You bet they can. Meet Rob Simmons, the secret inventor of Feisty Ono, Mighty Tor, Versatile Bort, Elusive Boo, Oh, the master of the elements, and Crunch, the metal muncher. Super robots forging together at Rob's command to form Mighty Torbots, champion of the universe. <laughs>